From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Sometimes the signs and symptoms of heart attack can be subtle, but the result can still be deadly. Here to help us understand how to react is Dr. Robert Carhart, Jr., an associate professor of medicine at Upstate. Thank you for being here. You're very welcome. So if I understand correctly, a heart attack happens when the blood flow to the heart itself is depleted um, because of a coronary artery is narrowed from a buildup of fat, cholesterol, or something else, correct? Correct. So is this a sudden thing or is it a gradual thing? Well, the, the development of those blockages or those narrowings is, is a slow and subtle process. People don't develop, you know, kind of a, a narrowing overnight. The, the heart attack itself is typically when that plaque becomes unstable and quote-unquote ruptures, um, and the artery is suddenly closed off completely. So, so that's when you might feel symptoms. That, that's classically the heart attack. Okay. So um, what's the difference between a heart attack and a cardiac arrest? The, the difference being a heart attack in, in general sense means that there's a sudden decrease or interruption to the blood supply and the oxygen supply to the muscle. Um, that typically causes heart muscle to start dying, and that's what we talk when we talk about heart attack. Cardiac arrest is the, the sudden stoppage of the heart. Now, you can have a cardiac arrest associated with a heart attack. You can okay. have a cardiac arrest related to an electrical problem and have totally normal coronary arteries. Um, so there, there's a difference in the sense that heart attacks aren't necessarily a total stoppage of the heart. The change in the heart muscle can lead to an arrest. So it can lead to irregular heart rhythms and a cardiac arrest. But um, classically, the two are slightly different. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, a heart attack, does it permanently? You mentioned heart muscle dying, so that sounds permanent to me. There, it can cause some permanent right. changes to the um, heart. One of the things that we do when we're trying to diagnose a heart attack is we measure blood levels of an enzyme released by heart muscle, typically when it shouldn't be present in your bloodstream. Okay. So when the heart muscle cells are stressed, become ischemic, this enzyme starts leaking out, um, which implies that those cells will eventually die. The, the real push in terms of the therapies for heart attacks is basically to try to intervene as early as possible to minimize that amount of heart cell death. Okay, and that's why it's important. This is an emergency. It needs to be treated. It, it, absolutely, yeah. which is why it's important to kind of pay attention to symptoms. So what are the symptoms? What are people likely to feel, and um, is it different for men and women? Um, it, it, it's a good question. I mean, the, the classically everyone thinks heart attack. They think of that, you know, elephant sitting on my chest, a crushing substernal pain that occurs in the chest, it's associated most often with shortness of breath, with sweating, sometimes nausea. Um, you get sick to your stomach with all of these other problems. Um, so that's the classic symptoms. And, you know, when you go back through the literature, um, men and women both can experience that. Um, the difference being is that women tend to have less of that classic presentation and more of um, what there's, what's referred to as atypical symptoms. So they may get 
the shortness of breath, but no chest pain. They may get the sweating, the nausea, no chest pain. Um, there are, there's information out there that women don't typically get the elephant sitting on their chest. They get the elephant sitting on their abdomen or their belly. Um, and they feel a pressure there. Um, in, in one of the more common symptoms for women is a sudden sense of being tired or fatigued. Um, they may be just sitting doing something and suddenly feel like, I'm, my goodness, I have to go to sleep. I just can't stay awake. Um, so, however, there probably, you know, a, a large percentage of women who still get that pain that the goes pressure. and the pressure that can radiate up into the neck, down the arm. So you, you mentioned, that, you know, a woman could be sitting there and feeling overwhelming need to be exhausted or mm -hmm. tired or whatever. But I thought heart attacks only happened on exertion. But no, that's not true. That is not true. Um, you know, typically what we see most often with exertion is not a true, is not a heart attack, but rather angina. So mm -hmm. that, in a sense, is your warning sign. Um, uh -huh. So... The, the arteries are narrowed, the supply lines are kind of crimped down a little bit. So it's, it's kind of like if you think about it with your car, if your gas line's a little plugged up and you step on the accelerator, it hesitates a sure. little. That's what angina is. It's, it's kind of telling you, we can't keep up with this. So you get that chest discomfort. Um, but as soon as you stop, it goes away. Now, certainly, if, you really, if you're exerting yourself, you can rupture a plaque and cause a heart attack. But just as often, you're not doing anything when this occurs. And it's just, it was time for that plaque to rupture, and here it is. Um, over the years, what sorts of reasons have your patients given you for ignoring symptoms or not acting as quickly as perhaps they should have? Well, some of it's the atypical nature. Um, you know, I, I actually remember one patient who... All he had was pain from his elbow to his wrist. Um, and he would get that intermittently when he was outside shoveling snow, doing different things. Didn't pay much attention to it. He just thought it was a muscle ache. And then it came on and just wouldn't go away. And he finally decided he needed to go get checked. And indeed, he was having a heart attack. Another woman just thought she had the, a GI bug or the flu. She was vomiting and just couldn't stop, and she finally went to the emergency room, and her EKG showed that she was having a heart attack. So a lot of times it's recognition of symptoms. Sometimes it's interesting, and really, unfortunately, as I tell a lot of my patients, denial can be a fatal disease. You know, they know something's wrong. They just don't want to go get checked. Neat. Well, this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Associate Professor of Medicine and Cardiologist, Dr. Robert Carhart, Jr. from Upstate. Um, so what should people expect if they call 911 and they're reporting chest pain or shortness of breath or some of these symptoms we've been talking about? Well, and, and as we mentioned, you know, one of the big pushes that has come from the cardiology societies, the American Heart Association, is, you know, getting immediate access to care you know as soon as you recognize symptoms you really need to get taken care of because again if you can have that artery reopened you lose a lot less heart muscle your long-term survival is better so you call 911 and let them know you're having a heart attack it becomes a priority emergency um, the 
EMTs will get there, the paramedics will arrive. You'll be put on a, a monitor to see what your heart rhythm is being is doing at the time. Um, they will give you nitroglycerin, which is a sublingual tablet that dilates up the arteries of the heart. So sublingual, you, you put, put it, it under, under your, your tongue. tongue. Okay. Um, and they will try as quickly as possible to get you to the nearest hospital that can hopefully do what you need in terms of interventions. Now, you mentioned um, that enzyme test or the mm -hmm. blood test for the enzyme. Um, so that's one thing that person the, may... Yeah, that typically will happen on arrival to the hospital. But a lot of what is going to occur is going to be based on your symptoms and based specifically on your EKG. The standard, for example, at, at University Hospital in the emergency room is you will get an EKG within five minutes of arrival if your symptom is chest pain because that really many times dictates what happens. The enzyme test takes, you know, can take an hour to come back from the lab. And again, that's an hour you don't want to be wasting time for. So some of these tests can rule out mm -hmm. the, the heart attack so that maybe it's something else going on. But if it is showing that it's a heart attack, what are, like, what are some of the treatments that people might face. Yeah. The, the, one of the things that'll happen and typically will happen even in the ambulance before you get to the hospital is you'll be given aspirin. Um, and it's not the old joke to take two aspirin and call me in the morning. You're given aspirin because it helps prevent blood clots. Oh. So it is a blood thinner. And that um, is going to hopefully decrease the amount of clotting that's going on in your artery. So you'll receive aspirin. You may receive other blood thinners. Um, you're going to get medications, uh, as I mentioned, the nitroglycerin, to try to help improve the blood flow to the heart. But if you're having a true, what is known as an ST elevation MI, um, the priority is as quickly as possible to get you to a cath lab, to get your artery opened mechanically. Okay. Can Does it... Does it depend on whether it's a complete blockage or a partial blockage? Or when would you find out if it's a complete or right. partial? A complete blockage typically will give you, as described, this ST elevation. So there's changes that we will see on an EKG that is a, a reflection of what's going on in that artery. If that artery is completely blocked, then the heart muscle, its entire thickness, becomes ischemic or means it's deprived of oxygen. And we see that change on the EKG. If the artery is partially blocked, um, we may see those segments not go up, but uh -huh. rather go down. And that changes a little bit what occurs in terms of your care. Many times you can be having a heart attack and not have changes on your EKG. So there are a lot of, there's a broad spectrum of those findings. Does um, treatment depend on... Um Age, gender, size, other health conditions, do, do those things go into decision-making for... The, the decision-making to some extent is altered a little, obviously, with age um, and even your body weight. Some of the medications you get, the doses are different. Mm -hmm. um, if it is clearly an SD elevation MI and you have, you know, no other life-threatening problem going on at that point, everybody's treated the same. Um, so you're going to end up in the cath lab. Um, if you have, for example, a patient who is older and there's not quite the drama of that ST elevation, 
you know, the approach may be based on what their kidney function is, what their functional status is in terms of how aggressive the interventions are. But typically, if you're coming in and you're having a real heart attack, everybody is treated pretty much the same to start with. So the cath lab is used more often today um, than in the past. There, there might have been open surgery or something, right? So right. In, it, in, the, in the past and, and still in places where a cath lab is not available, you, be giving, you would be given a medication um, to try to dissolve that blood clot. Um, the, the downside of that is that carries the risk of bleeding in places you don't want to, your head primarily, um, and that carried a risk um, when in this age of thrombolytics, which are what those medications are referred to, you know, there was a concern and, and statistics and data showed us that up to 1% of people that got these thrombolytics for heart attacks would end up bleeding into their head, many times a fatal bleed. So the, the cath lab allows you to visualize where the blockage is and directly mechanically open that artery. Um, with less of the risk of all of those side effects. What is um, recovery like for someone who's had a heart attack? Um, it depends on the, the course and to some extent. Um, and if you come in quickly and the artery is opened quickly, uh, many patients are now leaving the hospital within uh, 36 hours um, after arrival. So you can come in and... and be going home, you know, two days later, Just a couple days later, which mm -hmm. is definitely a huge advance. Um, and from that standpoint, the recovery afterwards, many times these patients obviously are fatigued because it's a big stress to your system. But within a couple of weeks, they're feeling back to normal. Oh, wow. um, you know, many patients are directed after an event like this to um, a specific rehab program. Uh, with cardiac rehabilitation, where their exercise is monitored by EKG. They get um, added education about the risks of heart disease, what their limitations are, how to control their cholesterol, many things in terms of education, which is really goes to the attempt long-term to try to decrease the risk of having another heart attack. Well, I'd like to talk about risk factors. Um, if you've had a heart attack, are you at greater risk or or lesser risk to have another one? Typically, you know, if you've had a heart attack, that's that's considered a big risk for another one because you've had the substrate for something to occur. A lot of what we do in the outpatient setting is to try to down that risk or, you know, water it down a bit if we can. So we look at your cholesterol and we try to attack the bad cholesterol and get that lowered. We keep you on aspirin long-term to prevent you from forming those clots. We're aggressive about controlling your blood pressure. Um, most of us, though we don't like to, to nag our patients, try to get people to stop smoking mm. because it's a huge risk. Now, some of the risk factors, you know, they talk about that can't be changed, your, your age, your gender, your race, your her heredity, your genes. Um, with women, versus men, um, women pre-menopause and post-menopause have a different risk factor, correct? That is correct. Um, estrogen tends to be protective. Um, so pre-menopausal, women have circulating estrogen, which causes their good cholesterol levels to go up. Um, so they tend to have a protective effect from that. Um, there are studies to suggest estrogen also is important for just the 
health of the blood vessels. So in other words, your chances of forming clots in your arteries is a little bit less. But really, most people believe the primary protector is that good cholesterol. Um, once postmenopausal, once a woman gets to that age, that good cholesterol level starts to drop. So they start becoming uh, equivalent, if you will, in terms of risks to men. Um, the problem being, unfortunately, with women sometimes, so they think, that's great, I'm protected, um, is that they tend to then be older when they start increasing their risk for heart disease. So the with age comes other associated diseases. They may be more likely to have diabetes. They may be more sedentary just because of arthritic changes, which adds to their ability to recover from that heart mm -hmm. attack. So there, there's pluses and minuses. Um, and, and there are, you know, 30 and 40 year old women that do have heart attacks. A lot of that's driven by genetics and some of it driven by their risk factors. Oh, great. Well, thank you. This has been very informative. My guest has been cardiologist, Dr. Robert Carhart, Jr., I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.